0: Welcome back to Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. I'm personal financial planner, columnist, and financial therapist, Rick Kaler. Research tells us that 90% of all financial decisions are made emotionally, not logically. For nearly four decades, I've been helping people make better money decisions. So what makes my financial worldview different from most financial experts? I blend the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Good money decisions are not just about the money. So let's get started with today's episode. Welcome back to another episode. And several episodes ago, I talked about couples and money. And I thought maybe it would be interesting to drill down a little bit on that and talk especially about new couples couples that are engaged looking at um, becoming partners in whatever uh, form and they and maybe get into some some specifics that that might help you out if you're in a new relationship that appears to be getting serious we all know that New couples tend to be great talkers. I think of a, a couple that I introduced to one another and they called each other for a date and took a drive. And they still, did. this was 30 years ago, I think, they still to this day talk about the nine hour drive. <laughs> it was nine hours to nowhere, but it really went somewhere and i think that's uh, somewhat common when we feel that connection we feel that chemistry we feel that energy with another with another person that those young s- stages of love can just be an incredible time of sharing and and discovery of one another and so it's it's an important time right uh, as we explore all of the things that that make us who we are and discovering especially the commonalities that we have with that other person. We discover their life histories and what their philosophies are and and their goals, their hopes, their dreams. So it's a rich, rich time. However, there's one thing that seems to be rather of a challenge, difficult for young uh, couples to talk about, and that is money. And you may think, well, heck, I talk a lot about money with my partner, or my girlfriend, boyfriend. So, yeah, we, we got that down. And, and I would ask you, is, is the money talk that you have with them, About what's happening with government or what's happening with taxes or what's happening with inflation or what's happening with uh, the minimum wage or corporations that and their profits or I mean, there's a plethora of things to talk about. That's about money. But what I'm talking about is having the money talk about our personal money to someone. And as we know, this can be extremely difficult. Revealing to another person how much we earn, how much we're worth, what our debts are, can give rise to a plethora of really difficult Emotions, typically not the least of which is a lot of shame. So there is no wonder that talking about your money to someone else is a societal money script, a generational money script that we learn that you just don't talk about that stuff. We don't have a society that supports talking about your personal money issues. And maybe that's one of the reasons why money issues are identified as one of the main causes of divorce in America. So logically, it would make sense to talk about money when we are, are looking uh, certainly at marriage. But it just isn't done as much as um, Certainly, in a professional situation, I would hope that it would be done. Well, why? Uh, we tend to view marriage as primarily a romantic relationship, and it certainly is. But at the same time, marriage, which is a very legal partnership, is a business relationship in just uh, every sense of the word. In fact, it can be easier to get out of a, a business partnership than a marriage partnership. So, talking about marriage or young love or engagement as the forming of a business relationship is usually a pretty significant Romantic wet blanket, and just in case that you don't believe marriage is a business relationship, ask the fifty percent of married people who have suffered a divorce, whether it was a business relationship. Or. So that that is the oh, the unfortunate reality of young romance is, as romance develops and ages, it uh, the reality. The discovery, the awareness that this is a business relationship comes front and center. So having a money talk, I think, is really crucial for young couples who are especially contemplating marriage. It's pretty easy to make a lot of assumptions around this, right? You know, that, well, money's going to be managed and approached in the same way it was done in their family. As a kid, you grew up, if uh, you saw how your parents managed money or didn't manage money, m- money, you could uh, assume with the uh, parents who managed it all jointly that that's how it's going to work. And you may end up being offended, hurt, or angry if your new partner suggests having separate checking accounts. A partner who grew up with... Uh, One of their parents taking care of all the family finances may well expect the same. So having the money talk really needs to be pretty specific. It needs to be in depth, and it needs to be probing. And I can already feel some of you just cringing at those words. But everything financially needs to be out in the open, And on the table, you are marrying yourself to this person. Remember sometimes, I don't know, in business or other social situations, you're saying, well, you're not getting married. (laughs) Okay, well, you're getting married. So basically, the disclosure would be similar to the disclosure involved when you are getting a bank loan. Now, maybe you've never gotten a bank loan, so you don't know what that's about. But if you have ever applied for a mortgage to buy a house, you get what I'm talking about. I mean, it is bring in one receipt, proof of this, proof of that. Every blessed thing is disclosed to the banker, and they, they have help because they get a credit report on you, right? So, you know, I think that's a great thing To start with, is each other's credit report. Okay, don't turn me off. (laughs) Ask those parts of you that are like, oh my God, you're kidding me. No, I am not kidding you. So here's some of the things that you want to discuss. And since I started with... um, credit reports. Why are we interested in a credit report? Well, it definitely is pretty tangible evidence, tangible document of how you and your partner view money and your history in money. It will disclose the debts that you've had. It will disclose the spending priorities or pattern, certainly what, what loans have been received for. I mean, spending as far as what you've spent with checks isn't, isn't in a credit report. It will give you a clue of any judgments that are outstanding or past due bills or late payments. It will give you a credit score of your partner. So all of this will be, um, Revealing, right? Revealing in what it doesn't reveal and revealing in what it does reveal. So this is a a really good place to start. And you may, you know, in entering a conversation like this, you may want some support in entering that conversation. What do you do if your credit report isn't so good and you're feeling a lot of shame? in disclosing that. You have parts of you that want to keep that hidden. Uh, Pay attention to that. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Who wants to activate that shame within us? And yet, it's probably just a matter of time until your to-be partner finds out about this. So much better to handle this right up front before you go down the road and what um, could have been uh, an ice cube right now turns into an iceberg. So that's a place to start. Uh, The credit report's going to show who you've worked for, probably where you're currently employed. This is probably stuff that your partner knows, but there may be some discussions there. You'll need to disclose your income, what your salary is, what are your benefits? What benefits have you chosen? What benefits haven't you chosen? That would get into uh, insurance, right? And if you have selected certain type of uh, benefit package, life insurance, disability, et cetera, et cetera, etc, cetera, which also will bring up some discussions around that, because it's not uncommon. Some folks just hate insurance. And if you're going to be a stay-at-home partner and you have children, you are probably going to want a significant amount of life insurance to replace the income if your partner is, um, dies. Well, if they have a strong belief against that, this is something that, that maybe you would like to find out now. And it's something that uh, you both could explore. You're going to want to explore uh, just general attitudes toward work. What are their career plans? Do do they even have career plans? How long do they anticipate working? Would they anticipate an early retirement? Would they anticipate never retiring? I mean, if if you're in your teens or 20s, this is kind of hard, right? You may not even know, but Most people have an idea or a philosophy around that. Can it change? Of course it can change. But just finding out what their uh, foundation is. I can think of two clients I've had, and I think I've mentioned this in podcasts, that when I asked them what does retirement mean to them, them, it meant you died because the the males in their household often died uh, within a year or two of retiring. So... These are rich conversations that can can uh, really help you understand your partner. Uh, something else that needs to be covered would be cash flow and spending, especially spending. How much does your partner save every month? Or is your partner overspending every month and their credit card debt is, is building? Do they have investments? Uh, is a portion of their income going to fund a 401k? And if so, how much? Uh, this is important to find out. Are they super savers or barely savers, right? Are they saving like some uh, some folks are that uh, want to retire, say at 50, where they're saving 50% of their income? <clears throat> this might be good to discover because it could set up real tension if your partner is a super saver and you are enjoying life and a lot more liberal with spending. And this is probably one of the biggest frictions of most couples is oftentimes one can be a saver and one can be a spender. So these are things to find out right up front. How do they feel about emergency funds? You may have an emergency reserve and your partner doesn't and uh, may just not see the need and feel an emergency reserve is there to tap into for emergencies and your vocabulary would not be emergencies. Do they have a budget? Oh, the B word, budget. But do they? And if they do have a budget, that might be great. And if you don't, there, that could be a source of um, tension between the partners, right? Because the partner that has a budget just may make uh, an assumption that, of course, we're going to budget. How about individual or separate accounts? This can be a big one, and I, I already referred to it, that if uh, one partner's growing up watching their parents uh, operate out of a joint account, every your money is my money, and your partner has grown up with, uh, let's just say, in a blended family where everybody had their own money. By everybody, I mean each partner. This could be a, an area of contention. And if if uh, you both are going to work, well, who's going to be responsible for what expenses? If one of you earns a lot more than the other, well, how's that going to work? Are you going to split expenses 50-50? Uh, If you do keep separate money, are you going to split them on a prorated basis? How is that going to work? And again, probably each of you have assumptions on how this is going to work. But the time to figure it out is best now rather than after you're married and you're setting up the household. Another area that you want to talk about would be a discussion of all the assets. What do you own? Cars, collections, your bank accounts, your investments and how much are in those investments, real estate that you own, businesses, business interests that you might have, sometimes potential inheritances, are important to talk about especially if your partner is absolutely convinced they're going to get a, an inheritance or absolutely yeah convinced or absolutely no which might color their the way they save and that they may not save, they don't want to save because this inheritance is in their future well, that can be fine. The big question is whether you as the partner will be around when that inheritance comes. And I know this is terribly not romantic to talk about what happens if we get a divorce, but that could happen. And so you may say, "Hey, yeah, great. let's uh, we don't need to say because we have a guaranteed uh, inheritance coming. And when that comes, there not, may not be a we. So all disclosing all the assets is important. And then um, talking about children is a big deal because children cost a lot of money. How many children would each of you like? Now that's not so unusual to talk about, right? Uh, what are the responsibilities going to be? What are, how are you going to view working around children? Both of you continue to work. Will, will one of you quit your job, and come home and be with the children. Again, all of this can absolutely change, but it, it would be good to get out any really strong opinions on this. And wh- another thing to talk about what, is what is your philosophy going to be uh, for college? Are you going to pay the full tab for your kids? Or do you want them to pay a portion of it? Do you need to set up a 529 plan? perhaps at birth, you might think, holy cow, Rick, <laughs> we don't even have a kid yet. Well, and with full knowledge, of 20% of couples can't have children. The first time I heard that, I thought, oh, that has to be high. But uh, at one time that was spot on. I haven't checked it in several years. But, but yes, these are things that need to be discussed. In addition to these specifics, other areas to explore would be how money worked in your family growing up, what are your most painful and joyful memories around money. This can all be a very helpful way to have a deeper conversation. And you can um, do this by using some of the exercises that I use with, with clients. Uh, we call those the money egg, the money atom, and the KMSI-R. We've talked about money scripts in the KMSI in a past podcast. I don't know really that I've talked about the money egg and the money atom. That's where you draw your money history and where you draw in uh, 2D your uh, family of origin. You can get some ideas of this, if you have um, the book I co-authored, Facilitating Financial Health, has those exercises. And I'll bet if you Google that, you can find resources to those instructions. And if, if you need those instructions, drop me an email, I'll get those out to you. Uh, something else to consider is, are you going to have a prenup, a prenuptial agreement? Ken, even raising this question, can pour a lot of cold water on the uh, relationship. Prenups aren't always necessary, but in some situations, they can really be an important tool to head off uh, potential conflicts over money. I think uh, one of those would be with a blended family. I think it can be important to at least discuss a prenup and preferably discuss that with an attorney. Another area is if there's a lot of financial inequalities with your relationship, how does that feel? How's that going to work? How's it going to work where one cup, one one person in the coupleship has a lot of money and the other person doesn't? So again, there are just so many things to bring up And when you're having the money talk, uh, there just isn't anything that's off the table to not talk about. And again, why? Because money touches everything we do. Money issues can destroy a relationship, and it's just so important to have that talk before you get married, before you tie the knot. You know, I'll admit to in the past having watched some of these programs like, um, I don't know, what was it, The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, you know, what, there's others out there, those are probably long gone, but, um <laughs> One of the things that's never discussed on a date <laughs> are attitudes toward money. Now, maybe there's been an episode. I I would love to know if it ever was. I'm not a a, a great. I, I'm not a consistent consumer. But uh, you know that that just isn't uh, part of it. But it's. At some point in time, I mean, I don't know what would it be like to have a money discussion on the third date because it might be a whole lot easier to find out, wow, uh, we have some real issues here. And I think it's time to go our own separate ways before we fall in love, become uh, somewhat blinded, start thinking, oh, we can work this out. Oh, they will change. There could be a lot of sense in that, but I don't know how hold out any hope that that's going to happen. <laughs> so I'd be interested in any uh, thoughts you've got, any thoughts on this podcast or others. Feel free to email me at rick at rickkaylor k a h l e r dot com. So thanks uh, for joining me, and I look forward to. I'm spending another episode with you next week. Take care. Thanks for joining me, Rick Kaler, for another episode of Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. This is where I combine the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Remember, every financial behavior, whether it appears illogical to you or others, makes perfect sense when we understand the underlying beliefs feelings, and thoughts. Sign up for my weekly blog at financialawakenings.com. I hope you'll join me again for our next episode.